0: What is up, everybody? Carly here. And before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to jump on really quick and tell you that we have been nominated once again for NOW Magazine's Reader's Choice Award for Best Local Podcast. Now, we won this category last year, and we think it'd be pretty cool to hold the title two years in a row. So when you have a minute, make sure you vote for us by clicking the link in our Instagram bio at Somebody Date Us or by visiting nowtoronto.com rc. And look for Somebody Date Us in the Cityscape category under Best Local Podcast. Voting closes on October 28th, so be sure to vote. And now, on with the show. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Somebody Date Us. It's Carly. It's Lauren. It's Mike. And it's Asal.
2: And Mike, I'm gonna start with you. No. Why <laughs> should you be single this week? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I am single this week. Um, just because uh <sighs> I kind of had like a bit, a bit of like a little bit of like an epiphany. Um hmm. I was, I found myself uh, being in a situation like I'm not really used to being in where I was, I, I matched with someone on Tinder uh-huh. and we were talking back and forth and I find my, I found myself like chasing the person and I, and I'm not used to being in that position. And I didn't know why all of a sudden I was like becoming this person. I was like constantly being like the pursuer and everything else like that. Like, I, like I knew something was off within myself. And I'm not sure if it was maybe just the over cumbersome of maybe, maybe now isolation is finally hitting me and that kind of thing. So now you're just kind of like reaching for like whatever kind of like attachment you can kind of grab onto or, or something like that. But it's uh it, it was like, it was yesterday after I had a talk with, Oh God, it's so timely actually with her after I had a talk with my therapist. Oh my <laughs> and, um, and it is in, just now, I have just been able just to finally just like recenter myself, kind to like reestablish certain barriers with my with my own self and how I communicate with others and whatnot. So it's like I've I've kind of like brought myself back. So I'm in like a, a space now where like I feel good, I feel recentered, I feel like um, I'm ready to engage when I'm ready to engage. So yeah, I'm I'm single right now because right now I choose to be single. Right
3: <laughs> nice. Okay, I like that. But also, is it a bad thing to pursue people?
1: No, it well it I feel like it is if it's like really out of character. Okay. I feel like yeah it, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's just like it wasn't it, it wasn't me, it wasn't organic. It was um yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's mainly the main reason why. So yeah, that's why I'm single.
3: Okay, I like that. Lauren, what about you? Why shouldn't you be single? Well, I should be single this week because you know, the pandemic has um really given people that are in serious relationships or married like not much to do so everyone is making babies these days so literally like everyone in my life is pregnant and as much as i'm like not at all in a situation where i want to have a baby there is a part of me that suddenly has baby fever because there's nothing else to do right now i'm like what a great time to have a baby what else am i <gasps> oh my god i haven't say anything
1: watch out arnold <laughs>
2: Does he know? About your, does he
3: know about your baby fever? Yeah, I was telling him last night. I'm like, listen, I like don't get freaked out because I would never have a baby with someone I'm not living with or not married to. But I'm <laughs> like, I do just have this little baby fever right now um, because all my friends are having babies.
1: So. Mm-hmm. So now it's like That's I'm gonna bring insane, my own eh? condoms.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Lauren's sitting in the bathroom before sex with like a like with a little fucking like pin poking holes in yeah. like the. <laughs> yeah, well,
3: no,
1: no, no, yeah. she's not doing that. That's a horrible thing to do. But yeah,
2: Carly, why should you be single all this week?
0: I have some bad news. No, I'm just kidding. I'm so. I'm. Uh, Come on. I know, just kidding. Okay, so we. Marty and I, we, we reached almost like a good level of comfort in, in regards to, um, flatulence. So basically, um, we, this is why I should be single because like we have opened up a can of worms or I should say a can, a can of snakes. So basically he like said something, he's like, well, at least I haven't farted in front of you yet. And I looked at him and I'm like, you have, (laughs) and he's like, really what? I'm like, I'm like when you were sleeping. I'm like, oh, And he's, like was, and oh he's like, was it at least and he's like, was it at least impressive? And I'm like, oh yeah. And he's like, okay, good. Then I'm proud. I'm like, oh god. And then I'm like, and he's like, what have you been doing? Just like holding them in this entire time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm very uncomfortable. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you just gotta let them out. Let like like a slow hiss. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you know, like a just like you kind of like let it go and go. And he's like, he's like, it's like a. De- he's like, it'll be like-, like a den of. He feel like, he's like, it'll be like a den of cobras. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? So we like joked that the bed is now called the den of cobras at night because <laughs> <Snakes>. <laughs>
1: that's Why all is the it sneaky snakes. Sneaky cheeks yeah.
0: Because they go s- out of your beehole. But anyway. Yeah, so a lot we of control to oh, keep it
1: that silent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, that's that's Although- a lot of
1: dedication to go from t- and not do like a. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 it takes a lot of
3: work.
1: It's like, you have to use your ass. It's yeah. a lot of butt control, <laughs> rectal control.
0: Like, I'm not going to lie. Like for those like 14 days that I was hanging out at his house, I was like, Ugh. I'm like, my stomach hurts, my intestines, <laughs> everything. I'm like, I, and it's crazy. And now that I'm like back in my own space, I'm like, when do I fart? Because it's oh. I, like, I don't notice it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, do I? And I'm like, do I, do I only like let go in uncomfortable like do I only need to far when I'm like in an uncomfortable place like it's just very bizarre I don't know what's going on guys because when I'm at home like it's not caught that often but when I was there I was like whew, whew. I'm like okay girl you got this you could just just wait until you have a shower and I was like Mm-mm. I'm like I'm gonna shower like eight times a day <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so happy that we've crossed that milestone nice. anyway What about, uh, what about, what about you, Sal? Why should you be single?
2: Um, So earlier this week, I went to teach and I was wearing my like clothes, my gym clothes and then like a sweater on top. But the sweater that I was wearing was like really fleecy inside. It was black fleece. And so I didn't realize I took the sweater off and I'm there teaching and I'm doing a bunch of these like sun salutations with my arms up above my head. And then I realized that the fluff, like the black fleece fluff was stuck to my armpits, and (laughs) it looked like I had two big hairy bushes um, (laughs) under my armpits, and I was like, oh, God, and then I realized it, like, middle of the class, like, mid midway through. So I was like, oh God, it it was I was very embarrassed.
3: The good news is like of all the places you could have hairy armpits, the yoga studio is one of them because the (laughs) amount of women I see with really long hairy armpits and yoga, I'm like, good for you.
1: Let it out. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Um, I I mean I I went and like cleaned like got rid of it. Um and then people (laughs) in the class were probably like, what just happened?
3: (laughs) 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 Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's funny. Um, Okay, so we have a really long episode this week, so I think we should just hop right in. Um, So this week on Thursday, October 10th, is Mental Health Awareness Day, and given 2020 has been An exhausting year for everyone. I think mental health is more important than ever before. So we've invited Victoria Munoz to join us today. Um, Victoria is a registered psychotherapist who works with individuals and couples at Balanced Mind and Wellness in Etobicoke, um, a wellness practice built up of a team of individual and relationship psychotherapists and naturopathic doctors. So we are gonna chat all about mental health with Victoria and she'll be sharing some of her tips on keeping it in check during a pandemic and beyond. So everyone join me in welcoming,
1: Victoria! Hi Victoria.
3: Hi
4: there.
2: How about we first start off um, and you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do?
4: For sure. I just wanted to say quickly before that, as someone who obviously has listened to some of your episodes before, I think that what you are doing as a team in terms of um, speaking to your audience in and outside of Toronto is really important just to have a space where you honestly and transparently discuss some of the topics and questions that are really central to the experience of being um, a young and older adult. So that is really cool. Um, Aw, thanks. I yeah, <laughs> so legit now, Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will take a moment to kind of give you an idea of who I am and what I do. So um, I am an individual and relationship therapist. Uh, I practice out of Balanced Mind and Wellness, uh, which is an integrated health clinic that's located in Etobicoke. Um, I specialize in topics surrounding trauma, fertility, communication, ruptures in trust, uh, grief, infertility, um, consensual non-monogamy, sex and intimacy, uh, gender and sexual identity, and racial and cultural identity. Um, I'd say that I kind of knew fairly on that therapy would be my vocation. So at around age 12, I entered the mental health system as a client Um, presenting with, you know, typical symptoms of depression and anxiety. Um, And I was really grappling with a lot of issues around identity and sexual orientation. Um, And I really felt alone in my experiences. The team of psychiatrists and psychologists that I was working with at the time uh, took like a very biomedical approach. So I was essentially given like a diagnosis and prescribed medication. Um, And after that experience, I thought to myself, like, okay, no, there has to be more to this. Like there has to be someone that gets it in a different way and can help me make sense um, and meaning of like what I'm going through um, in a way that's holistic. Uh, so a lot of the themes um, that were central to the concerns that I was bringing to therapy were sociocultural in nature. So there was never a real investigation of like, for example, how my culture impacted uh, my sexual orientation and my inability to like come out um, because of how steeped in like heteronormativity it was and still is. So from that moment, I kind of vowed to provide people with a different type of experience. Um, one that I feel is left, less pathologizing anyways. Wow. Wow well <laughs> thank you
0: for that <laughs> like the amount of topics uh that you cover that's impressive like i i remember reading your bio online but i was like whoa you cover a lot of topics which is fantastic so i guess i have just to kind of jump right in to this whole therapy conversation um i do have a pressing question and I would, i'm hoping you could give me some guidance so uh you know, from a personal perspective, I have never sought therapy mm-hmm. and I don't know what that experience is like. And I think, you know, I one thing that's really preventing me from going is I just don't know where to start. I don't know what that, con- that initial conversation looks like. I don't know how we would even get into the nitty gritty and even more so. And on top of that, I don't have in my mind, I don't have a like a problem or a dilemma or a trauma or an event or something that is really pushing me in that direction. So I guess my question is, what about people like me who of course, you know, I have experienced things in my life, but there's no, there, there hasn't been anything that's really pushed me to seek therapy. Who should go and who should go see a therapist? Is it just people that have experienced, um, you know, a laundry list of, uh, traumatic events or, um, things that have occurred in their life that you know might be traumatic what about the people who just maybe need to go for like you know a brain checkup is that do you see clients and patients like that is that like who should be going to therapy i i'm just so i don't know where to begin yeah no for sure that's a really good question Um, I think
4: there still kind of exists this idea in our culture that in order for someone to go to therapy, they either need to have a clinical diagnosis or have experienced trauma or be in like an absolute state of desperation um, and crisis. Um, And I think there also is this kind of story um, where we equate attending therapy with weakness as if like seeking professional help somehow means that you couldn't cut it on your own. Um, and there's still a lot of stigma there. Um, but I'd say like, that's not that's not the case at all. So what I feel is that those narratives um, do is gatekeep the benefits of therapy. Um, and they also serve to create a lot of shame and guilt about just being human. So experiencing hardship across like several domains in life, like you said, and needing assistance or just honestly desiring something more for yourself, like deeper understanding or healing or change. Um, And the reality is that no matter how like big or small or valid your concerns seem to yourself or other people, um, at the end of the day, everyone does deserve a safe and professional space um, where they can express themselves and be vulnerable and hear their like thoughts and emotions reflected back to them. Um, and do the hard work, because it is very hard work. Um, And of course, there's like a structure to therapy, but there's really no rule about what can and can't be discussed. Um, So as long as it's something that is like pertinent and important to you, um, then it's relevant to the work. So I have some people that see me strictly for anxiety. um, And then there are other people that come to talk about like parental child detachment. Um, they show up for three sessions and then they find that they're doing a lot better. And then there are people who I've seen for years and they never stop coming. And they're essentially customers for life. That's what we, we call them. Um, and you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that there is no typical client. So there are only typical themes that I'd say are universal across the human experience um, that tend to come up in therapy. And the two themes that I'd say are the biggest are, like, identity and interpersonal relationships. Um, And even within those two themes, the meanings that people attribute to them are so diverse that something that feels like a little molehill to someone is essentially like a mountain to
0: another person. And that's cool. That's okay so and you mentioned that there is a bit of a structure to therapy um so how do you get your clients to start opening up and talking like how do you break the ice you know like how do you just start getting to know them
4: i think therapy can be a really daunting experience for a lot of people um especially like someone like yourself who has never had therapy before. um, I think it's really important for people to start thinking about the qualities that they would appreciate in a therapist Um, and to honestly not settle for, let's say, the first one that you find. So you're kind of window shopping in that way. (laughs) Um, You should feel accepted and validated and affirmed, um, but also at the same time challenged. Um, Because we know from research that a lot of client change actually comes from the strength of the therapeutic relationship more than the model that the therapist uses. Um, And I mean, it makes sense because if you go see someone who you don't feel you can be honest with, what is the point? Um, And I've, I've reflected a lot on like what, for example, I as a therapist bring to the table, and this might be different for, for other people, but I think, authenticity is probably huge Um, because at the end of the day, a therapist is essentially just like you. So they experience hardship. They feel the full range of emotions. And I think that for clients, like going to see someone who is not robotic and um, is authentic really does help with that experience of opening up. Um, Something else I would say that's super important is for your therapist to not be judgmental and be very flexible and open-minded about what progress and change uh, looks like. So you have people coming into therapy and they say, I'm going to leave my partner within six months. And so you have that in your mind and then the six month period comes and guess what? They did not leave. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, as a therapist, be willing to understand that people need to do things at their own pace. Um, and I'd say lastly, uh, probably curiosity. So as opposed to being very assumptive. So one thing I've really learned by just doing the work is that everyone has a different language to describe their experiences. Like I, I said before, and therapists assuming like that, they know what's going on for you as a client, um, is not that helpful because, you're not really getting to know your client's point of view. Um, And so when you demonstrate a genuine curiosity for like what's going on for that person, um, it allows the client to understand themselves in a deeper way as well. Um, And you're kind of in it together. You're mutually figuring out this language um, with each other in order to best meet your needs, obviously. And, a lot of people might push back on that idea because they might say like, well, isn't the therapist supposed to be the expert? Um, what do you mean like they, they also have to figure it out? Um, but I mean, yes, therapists do go to school to become experts in mental health. But ultimately, you as the client are the expert in your own life. So um, therapists can have all this knowledge about different models and techniques um, and they can devise, like, hypotheses based on them. But when you encounter, like, a hypothesis that doesn't fit, as a therapist, you don't just hang on to it. Mm-hmm. You are encouraged to let it go and just get back to the drawing board. So in terms of qualities, I'd say those are the
0: the key, key ones. Okay, I hope everybody is taking notes on yeah. this because this is, like, really <laughs> great information. Yeah, and awesome. on – That was really great. You definitely put my mind at ease because like, and I think that, you know, that's preventing a lot of people. Like, like you mentioned before, you don't need to have an event to, you know, be your therapy trigger. You can, you can just go for yourself and personal development. And I always forget about that. It doesn't necessarily need to be something that, uh, was traumatic and I know I'm saying that word a lot but it's the only one I can really like associate it with with what I'm uh trying to speak to so no that's that's fantastic thank you so much for answering that
3: <laughs> well and no I think problem. too like it took me like a long time to build up the courage to like go to therapy and like the amount of times I like contacted therapists made appointments and then canceled and then never went for like years um like so many times but I think just like by the time when I finally build up the courage to go and have like conversations and sometimes I wasn't going for a specific reason just to talk to someone that was like unbiased. Like you're not talking to your friend. You're not talking to your family. Literally everything stays in those four walls and you're just like, you can just talk about all those things that go on in your head that you're like, am I crazy for thinking this? Do other people think this, is this normal? Why am I thinking this? Like, and have that like person that's just there to like help you try to make sense of it which I think is like the best part of it (laughs) it's like I would recommend therapy for everyone like even if you don't feel like you need it I feel like it's just like for me it was very like freeing in a way because you just like had that opportunity to like let out the things that maybe have been bothering you for years um just never had the courage to like talk to someone about them so for sure
2: Oh, oh sorry go ahead Victoria
3: no, you go ahead. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> I was honestly just going to say that therapy has been something that I've just always wanted to to do and I've just my whole life put it off. And I feel like maybe there's other people in the same boat as me or it's just, mm. we just keep saying, oh, we'll do it. We'll do it later. But it is important and it is something that um, I need to not keep putting off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not alone. There's a lot of people. Yeah.
4: <laughs> No, for sure. You'd be surprised at how often therapists get ghosted by their clients. So um, (laughs) what you were saying, Lauren, like that you've like emailed therapists like you, I can't count the amount of times that I've woken up and seen an email from 3 a.m. from psychology today. Someone just absolutely like like panicking. Okay, 3 a.m. is the time like I need to email this person. And then I never hear from them again. So yeah, I do. It is a universal theme. Um, and for, I think for a good reason, too. I think um, therapy has come a long way in terms of um, its approach, you know, from that biomedical approach that I was talking about to a more postmodern um, way of thinking, um, where clients are the experts and the therapists are no longer driving the car essentially we're trusting that our clients know what's best for them as well. So.
0: Well, and I think right now, um, you know, peep a lot of people, you know, we are going through a, a global pandemic in our lifetime. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I know, it's crazy. I don't know if you knew that, Mike, um, but it's no longer March. It is October. Um, but yeah, so given the current times uh, that we're living through, um, none of us have experienced anything like this in our lifetime before. Um, so I, we just wanted to chat a little bit more about COVID and how it has impacted uh, mental health and what you have been experiencing and what you've been seeing uh, with your clients. The shift, you know, with dealing with isolation and quarantine, being separated from loved ones, the stress, the anxiety, losing jobs. I mean, there's so much just packed into the last six months that I'm sure you can probably speak a lot to that. So have you seen an increase um, in the amount of like people experiencing, you know, depression and anxiety as a result of COVID-19? Um, So, yeah, we're definitely living in unprecedented times.
4: uh, And I do think it's been an adjustment for everyone, you know, clients and mental health professionals, uh, socially, like spiritually, economically, physically and mentally. Um, We've seen a tremendous amount of struggle with fear and like uncertainty about our own health, our loved ones health, concerns about like employment, finances. Am I going to burn out because I've increased my workload? Um, I have reduced wages. What does that mean for me and my family? Um, and, like you said, the felt effects of social isolation, quarantining, and physical distancing. You know, for the first time in forever, we're having to take time away from the people that we see on a daily and weekly basis. And we're having to kind of redefine our identity as uh, professionals, as individuals, um, as lovers in relationships. And I feel like we kind of need to stay cognizant of the fact that uh, these felt effects are experienced really differently by everyone, but particularly by minority group members. Um, So, you know, racialized and indigenous communities, um, we have people with disabilities, gender and sexual minorities, um, immigrants and refugees, um, those with socioeconomic status, that's a bit lower. Um, And we kind of have to allow each other to feel the grief that we do. Um, You know, we've lost a lot. We've lost human touch. We've lost our sense of normalcy. We've lost our ability to kind of engage um, and attend milestone events uh, like weddings and graduations and birthdays. Um, So feeling is encouraged, like you're allowed to be upset Um, because essentially we're mourning our old life, you know. Um, With that being said, I will say that I've also seen a tremendous amount of resilience in our communities. So, you know, people banding together to kind of form these support networks and come up with really creative and unique ways of maintaining connection uh, with one another. And I think that's one of the coolest things that can happen when global events like this take place is that we're almost like surprised at how much we're able to endure Individually um, and collectively. Um, you know, people come to adapt to their environment in the best way that we can, and we utilize our strengths and our coping strategies and the ones that work for us. Um, they're meant to kind of pull us through um, these instances and they help us remain like empowered, essentially. Um, So I do think that although it's been rough, there's also been a unique opportunity for people to like reprioritize, rebuild and even let go of some of the things that were holding us back like before the pandemic started. So I can't tell you how many people have told me that. Only in the last few months have they realized that they were prioritizing work, um, to the point where their romantic and platonic relationships were really suffering and that moving forward, they would want to be more balanced. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's, it's a mix of both just grief and a lot of hopeful opportunity.
3: I love how you said, like, just giving yourself the opportunity to like feel, cause I feel like in the beginning when we were in isolation, we're like, oh, this will only last two weeks, like no problem. Mm -hmm. And then like, as we were in it longer and longer, I feel like even just among my group of friends, like so many of my friends were being like, I just cry for like no reason. Like I'm out for a walk and I'm crying and I don't know why. And it's like, I think like a lot of people, and I think there was like something floating around on like social media that said something along these lines of being like, remember that like, you're trying to live a normal life, during a pandemic. Like, don't be so hard on yourself that, like, maybe you don't feel motivated every day to work out or, like, be 100% at work because, like, you're you're just trying to, like, get through (laughs) these, like, weird times. And I think we, like, forget that because we're just so hard on ourselves in normal circumstances, so.
4: (laughs) For sure. I'm here to tell you to feel. (laughs) You can
3: feel all you want. Feel the feels. (laughs) So like for those that like don't know talking about feelings for those that don't know Mm -hmm. like how to identify how they're feeling um people that maybe like have never experienced anxiety before depression or any any feelings like that um like what are some things that you should be like mindful of or like how do you know when it's like gets to a point that you should seek help from somebody else
4: yeah, so speaking of really interesting societal ideas, I think there also exists one where um, we feel like for people to seek help, they already have to have some really deep understanding or awareness of what's happening for them. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily have to be true. So um, emotion is insidious. So it comes up like physiologically for people. Um I can't tell you how many clients have come to me and said, you know, I'm not consciously stressed, but my body is tense and my jaw is clenched and I tend to tighten my fists when I talk. Um, And that's how I kind of knew that maybe there was something I should talk through or pay deeper attention to. Um, And I think that the first step in terms of developing a deeper relationship with our own emotions is like first admitting that something feels different. Um, and a lot of us don't even have the words to really describe how we're feeling like even as a therapist you know I I myself really struggled with my relationship to emotion Um, I remember showing up to one of my first ever therapy sessions as a client and being offered this like huge feeling chart and there were like 500 words on it and then faces attached to those words Um, and I was like So relieved to finally have access to this resource that could help me like pinpoint um, the exact words that like fit for me and my experience. And I think the for me part is really, really critical because, uh, like I said, like we do have this general language for a lot of emotions and terms within mental health. Um, But the truth is that they all carry different meanings for us and they're embodied very differently across people. So for some, like anxiety feels like a pot literally boiling in their stomach. Um, And for others, it's like a complete sensation of freezing in the moment. So in terms of what to pay attention to, I'd say look for those physical sensations. So when do they happen? Are they frequent? Um, What are you doing when you feel them the strongest? What about when you feel them the least? Um, What does neutral feel like to you? And pay attention to the thoughts that you're having as well. So notice any changes um, in how you're relating to others or even to yourself. Um, do you find yourself having less patience? Um, do you feel safe and like, secure and content in your relationships? Um, and also try to gauge how your concerns are affecting the other parts of your life. So how is it impacting you socially, romantically, professionally? Um, Is it limiting your ability to show up for yourself and other people in the ways that you want to? Uh, Is it limiting your ability to live by the values and things that you want for yourself in your own life? And if you have like an affirmative support network, I'd say don't be afraid to begin or continue having these vulnerable conversations um, and don't be afraid to like do research either. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff out there, which I know we'll talk about a bit later, but, um, during this process, I'd say self-compassion is probably one of the biggest things, uh, cause I think we tend to label emotions as like good or bad or positive or negative. Um, and what happens when we do that is we tend to start associating, um, and avoiding the ones that don't feel that good because we see them as uncomfortable and threatening um, instead of deepening our understanding of them. So Mm -hmm. I think judging yourself for feeling angry is a really, really good way of perpetually feeling ashamed and guilty for the fact that you're angry. Mm -hmm. So when we start to treat our emotions kind of like enemies, that's exactly what they'll start to feel like. so I just say, witness what's going on for you, like cognitively, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically with as little judgment as possible.
2: I like that. that I feel cool. like, um, that's like really, really good advice. And also, I I think I read somewhere or saw someone do this where they had this like notebook, like a feelings notebook, and they would kind of every night just kind of journal in like how they're feeling. And I feel like a lot of, um, we're all very like, or I mean, I'm I'm like this, like I'm always like, I'm either happy, sad, excited, and, like, I don't really, like, dive deep into, like, mm. how am I really feeling, though? Like, you know when people ask you, like, how are you? And you're like, I'm okay. <laughs> but are you okay? <laughs> like, am I really okay? Um, so, yeah, I saw someone do that and and have this, like, little feelings journal, and uh, I thought it was, like, a really good idea. And, like, maybe just before bed, just jotting down how you're, like, really feeling um, with no judgment and, Yeah
3: yeah mine's literally
1: right next to my bed
3: (laughs) nice (laughs) like during the pandemic like I haven't journaled for like years but during the pandemic I like started a journal like right at the beginning because I just had so many feelings and emotions and things you're going through and like trying to adjust to this like new normal um and like I've kept up with it like on and off like every time something shifts or changes um during these last like six months that like impacts me in some way. I write in it and like, it is interesting even just to like read back on and you're like, wow, look mm-hmm. how far we came. since so like mm-hmm. the beginning of all of this, right? Like yeah, all of, all of us have somehow adjusted to this like bizarre world that we're living in right now. All right, Victoria. So as you know,
2: we are a dating and relationship podcast. So we obviously need to ask you some questions for those that are single or in relationships right now. So, for starters, what are some of the most common reasons couples go to you for advice?
4: Um, I think that people assume that for for couples to come to therapy, um, the fate of the relationship is literally at stake. Um, and while that's true for a lot of people, uh, many couples come for I'd say other very important reasons. Um, at the top at the top of the list, I'd say is a desire to increase like honest, nonviolent communication. So partners want to learn better ways of talking to one another in order to increase intimacy and understanding. Um, and a lot of the times people aren't even really aware of how they came to have the communication patterns, uh, that they do. And couples get caught in these cycles. Uh, for example, one of the most popular is pursue withdraw," where someone is constantly um, looking for affirmation, badgering, looking for answers, and the other is withdrawing from that, emotionally stonewalling. Um, and these cycles tend to kind of happen when people communicate from their secondary rather than primary emotions. Um, and over time, these cycles just get solidified, and they can be really, really hard to break. So I think therapy allows for a space to verbalize our needs and our love languages um, and investigate those unhelpful cycles and come up with ways of breaking free from them and really model the behavior that we want to see from our partner. So if you want to be listened to, you become a listener. Um, I'd say the next top topic is probably issues around sex and intimacy. So I'm sure you've all heard of the infamous dead bedroom. Uh, people want to learn how to engage sexually again. Um, they want to try new things. They want to talk about sexual boundaries and what it would mean to you know, introduce adventure and novelty into um, their sexual relations. Um, at number three, I'd say probably infidelity uh, and healing from ruptures of trust and learning to trust each other again. Um, Because obviously infidelity can be a devastating thing, Um, but it doesn't have to mean the end of a relationship. A lot of people just continue um, and they rebuild. Um, A lot of couples also want to talk about what it would mean to open up their relationship in like a consensual way. And typically this tends to be a more taboo topic in society. And that's why I feel like it's really essential to explore safely in therapy because of that stigma. Um, and the fact that it it is a non-traditional relationship compared to the more monogamous ones that are really ingrained in us from a young age in Western culture. Um, and finally, I'd say like, Working to grieve the end of a long-term relationship. So whether there are children involved, financial assets that need to be split, unresolved feelings, um, a lot of couples want to come in and sort out kind of their practical and emotional concerns so that they can move forward in a way that feels like very
3: amicable interesting so many different things
4: <laughs> i know and that we haven't even talked about religion and culture and
3: racial backgrounds and how to integrate those yeah. um yeah okay but i'm curious because like with this year in particular um i know like from my friend group people that live with their significant others or married or whatnot like obviously they spent a lot more time than normal at home mm-hmm. with their partners whether they're like when we were like fully in isolation or now we're working from home or you're trying to like homeschool your kids while working from home. (laughs) So like, I'm like, are you seeing a lot of people that are like facing these challenges now that they're forced to be at home all the time (laughs) with their partner (laughs) when they maybe weren't ever home together this frequently before?
4: Yeah, no, it's exactly what you said. Like people are spending so much more time together and they're in each other's space a lot more. Um, And so we are seeing increases in like stress and frustration and reductions in like patience um, because we're really witnessing ourselves and our partners in ways that we weren't used to um, before. And there's literally nothing like quarantine to help you realize like just how often your partner leaves the toilet seat up or leaves like dirty dishes, like (laughs) laying around. Um, So there are increases in like resentment and blame too. And that's all on top of the fact that we have our individual, like restlessness and emotional disarray. Um, But because our partners are the closest people to us, it's so, so easy to take it out um, on them. Uh, So yeah, no, definitely there has been a shift um, in how people are relating to one another.
3: So what are like some like I know obviously everyone's different, every couple's different, but what are some like high level tips for those couples that might be listening that want to like tear their partner's hair <laughs> <right now?
4: laughs> Um I think it's important to remind each other that you're really on the same team, you know the goal is to collaborate and. You know, remember that neither of you has all the answers um, and that together you're probably going to have to brainstorm ways to adapt to the challenges and changing roles in your relationship. Um, you have to learn how to be softer and more empathetic with yourself and, and one another. And I guess try to use this opportunity to become closer uh, physically, emotionally, sexually, cognitively Um You know, we often really think about what the pandemic has taken away from us, and we tend to focus less on, like we were saying, the opportunities that it's providing for us. Um, You know, are there things that you want to try in your relationship now that you do have more time together? Are there areas of sexual intimacy that you want to explore? Um, Are there conversations that are hard that you've been putting off um, have you lost touch with your partner's individual identity? Like, how can you get to know them again as someone that's a person outside of your relationship? Um, how can they get to know you? Uh, what are some boundaries that you want to renegotiate that maybe you didn't really have to think about before? Um, and boundaries are huge, you know? They're, I think they're often misconstrued as, like, a form of rejection And when they are, we're a lot less likely to implement them with people. But really, boundaries are a way of demonstrating, like, love and respect to yourself and your partner because they allow you to show up in a way that's authentic to you and your values. Um, I think also really reflecting on, like, how can you check in with each other to make sure that each of you is doing okay, And you're not suffering from cabin fever or like how can you validate each other's experience throughout um, the pandemic? And how are you going to divide up responsibilities in a way that seems fair to all parties? And what are you expecting from one another during this time? You know, how can you demonstrate gratitude for everything that your partner has been doing? Um, How can you show them like, hey, I see you. And I see what you're doing to make our lives a bit easier. And I thank you for that. Um, And that's just the relational stuff. I mean, there are individual questions too, like um, what are your expectations of yourself? Um, What are some self-care activities that you can do alone or with friends without your partner that will allow you to show up as a better lover? Um, And those will look different for everyone. Um, you know, I have people who need to absolutely get out of the house for an hour, uh, just to breathe. And that's their idea of self-care. Um, and for other people, it's reading or cooking or listening to a podcast like this. Um, and if you're in a long distance relationship, I think the brainstorming is a bit different because, um, how do you stay connected virtually? You know, like, are you going to schedule phone calls or are you going to have FaceTime dates? Are you going to send each other gifts or care packages and watch TV shows or movies together or start a book or create playlists? There's literally so many options. Um, So I would say just don't be afraid to think outside the box and, you know, seek inspiration from other people or online or anything really.
0: I, I love that. And that was fantastic. I was actually about to ask you, I'm like, okay, but what about long distance relationships? I need a little help there. Um, and you completely nailed it on the head. Like that was fantastic. And um, I I know a Sal and Lauren, I recently sent you guys a picture of something that I did for my partner And uh, it was same thing. It was just sending a little gift that's going to arrive on a Monday because Mondays are the worst. And it's just like a little pick me up. It's nothing crazy, but it's an inside joke. And it's something that I hope will put a smile on their face because like you can't be there. So it it is it's communication is so key um, and and being transparent. And a very saucy message, Uh, poor Amazon delivery guy. But uh, (laughs) so, but uh, no, that's honestly like fantastic information. And I'm gonna have to listen. I know I say this all the time, but I'm really gonna have to go back and listen to this episode and like legit take more notes because that was fantastic reminder. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, So on the flip side of things, single people can feel incredibly lonely right now um, and feel the pressure like, should I date or should I, like during the pandemic? What advice do you have for
4: them? Um, You know, single doesn't have to mean lonely. So those are not mutually exclusive, just in the way that a lot of people in long-term committed relationships despite having someone they feel alone in that relationship. Um, and this can be a really promising time to explore yourself and what you might want out of a relationship when that time does come like, and even in platonic relationships as well. So being connected or seeking emotional closeness, like right now doesn't have to be in a romantic way, you know, fulfilling relationships really do come, um, in all shapes and sizes. And that's what I personally love Bumble BFF for this reason, um, because it's an I amazing. Conscious. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good option for, you know, safely quelling loneliness during this time. Um, and if dating is something that you're looking for, um, there's also the opportunity here to figure out what you do and don't like. So it's been reported that there have been huge kind of uptake um, uptakes in users engaging with dating apps. So, um, you know, there was a really good point brought up, um, by Shanbu Dram, who is an intimacy educator, uh, who had an interview on CBC and they named that the bases that we kind of expect to go through in relationships have completely changed. So, whereas before, like people could meet each other in person and perhaps like take sexually, um, take sex to a different level very quickly. Uh, With the restrictions now, we're kind of forced to reconceptualize like what progress means in relationships. So first base might now mean like sending a text message and second base might be a phone call or like a virtual date. and through these experiences, you know, you really do get a taste of what you're looking for. Like, am I looking for something more casual with multiple people? Am I looking for a singular conversational, conversational partner? Um, am I looking for a longer term, more meaningful connection? And none of these options are right or wrong or better um, than the other. They just have to work well for you. So I'd say regardless, it's important to stick to your values, but also just remain like open-minded about forming connections in ways that you didn't really anticipate.
3: Yeah. I think like from the people that we've talked to through the last year that have been um, online dating and stuff, like most of them have said like the pandemic has been like a good thing to happen to dating Mm -hmm. because they're taking that time to get to know people where before they might have just had a couple messages back and forth, met them once for a drink, didn't like them, didn't give them another chance, where now it's like you kind of get a chance to get to know someone a bit more than you would normally. Like you're giving people more of a time of day and like in that process Mm -hmm. learning a lot about yourself, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that first meetup's kind of like extended now for like a couple of days instead of just like one night, so.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, I had to wait a whole month to to go on a date with someone. And it was the most, it was actually very exhilarating and like fun. And like throughout that month, um, I got to know them on, like you said, a, a much deeper level. So it has been really cool.
3: Okay, Trying, well,
1: but cool. Yeah,
3: fine. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, we well, could like literally, I feel like we've already learned so much from you. And there's like less than an hour that we've been talking to you. And I feel like we could keep talking and asking a million questions, but we'll just have to have you back to ask all the rest of our questions. But before we go, um, we just want to give you an opportunity to, if people want to work with you or find out more about the place that you do work, um, where can they find more info?
4: Uh, So if you're curious about whether we'd be a good fit together, um, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, Victoria Munoz therapy. You can also email me directly at, uh, Victoria at balanced mind or go to our website at dot psychotherapy.com and book like a free 15 minute video or phone consultation with myself or honestly, any of the talented therapists that make up our practice. Um, but yeah, it's been dope. It's been bomb. I'm I'm glad to have been here.
3: Yeah, we're so happy to have you. We'll obviously link all those things in the description of this episode for people. Um, But yeah, thank you for sharing all your knowledge with us and answering all our questions.
4: (laughs) You're very welcome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much, Victoria. And we'll definitely uh, have to have like a post-pandemic (laughs) follow-up one day if it ever actually ends. (laughs) (laughs) we're laughing, but we're crying on the inside. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And uh, we hope to chat to you soon.
2: All right, time for our segment. Um, we actually don't have a specific segment, but we thought maybe we will talk about our old um, dating disaster stories. And Lauren's got one for us.
1: Locked of in there.
3: I am <laughs> <laughs> actually like shocked that I have never told this story. I was going through like my phone today um, and found this story, and I was like, I need to share this with you guys because I don't even know if I've told you this story, like outside of this podcast so this was like years ago so do not judge me because in my early 20s i had a lot of nights where i was blackout drunk
1: nice
3: (laughs) so my memory of things you know weren't always the clearest during that time of my life so i had gone to um the underground which was my favorite bar until covid closed it um and that was your spot I i had met this guy there And I don't remember his name, but let's call him Brad for the sake of this story.
1: Bradley, okay. And
3: so I had met this guy there. We ended up hitting it off. My friend hit it off with his friend. And then they were like, do you guys want to come over and like have some drinks? Like once the bar closed. And so we're like, yeah, sure. So they failed to tell us that they actually lived in Port Credit, which is not in Toronto. What? So while we were in the Uber, we were like freaking out because we're like, how on earth are we going to get home from Port Credit? So anyways, we had this like fun night. It was fine. We slept on their couch in the morning. They brought us back. You actually went? Everything was good. Well, we had no choice. We were already on the highway when we realized. Oh my God.
1: That's kidnapping the way I see it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. We did stupid things when you were young. And So (laughs) I went to this guy's house, whatever. After this night, we like went on one date um, and then he ghosted me. And this guy, like, didn't have any social media um, at all. Like, so when he goes to me, I didn't really, like, it had been months had passed. And I, like, his face had, like, kind of become wishy-washy in my head. Like, I <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. like, you just kind of forget what people look like when you don't have constant reminders of them on your social media or you don't mm-hmm. see them. So months later, I'm at the same bar. And I see him. And I'm like, like, he's like, Hey, how are you? Like acting like nothing happened. And I'm like wasted. So I'm like, please don't talk to me. You're an asshole. you ghosted me like whatever. Like I'm giving him so much sass and attitude, but he's like still like into me like all night. So the end of the night comes around and we're standing outside the bar and he's like, well, like, are you going to come up? Like, do you want to like go home together? And I was like, I really shouldn't because you're just such an asshole to me before because you ghosted me. And he's like like, okay, like, whatever, he's, like, going along with it, long story short, he ends up coming home, home with me, and my roommate <laughs> at the time, my roommate at the time knew this story, like, from uh, this guy, like, I had texted her, and I was, like, I'm bringing that guy home, that like, ghosted me, Brad, yada, yada, comes home, I, like, my roommate's still awake, I, like, introduced him to her, whatever, we go to bed, and so I, like, when I was younger, and I think I've talked about it before, I didn't like hook up with people. Like I just brought them home all the time and like snuggled with them. Like I made out with them. I never like I didn't sleep around all the time, and so <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> I didn't. So, no, sometimes yes, but like I didn't sleep <laughs> with him at all. Yeah. But like he slept over at my house. So the next morning, he's on his phone, and like I remembered this Brad guy specifically not having an iPhone. He had like Android because I remember chirping him about it, and this guy like brad had an iphone and so i'm like oh you got an iphone and he's like yeah and like i'm like okay like and then i noticed he was like scrolling on instagram and i'm like what the hell like i thought you didn't have instagram he's like i have no idea what you're talking about and i'm like like you told me you didn't have instagram he's like what and like i'm like okay like whatever like he's just lied to me or whatever so i get an uber for this guy like he leaves my house but before he leaves. We're sitting on my couch waiting for the Uber and like um he's like here, why don't you follow yourself on my Instagram? So I'm like, okay, cool. So I follow myself and when I'm on my phone, like right when he's about to leave, I realize this guy's name is not Brad. His name was like Taylor or something. I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, this We're is Brad. <laughs> Completely different guy. <laughs> oh
0: my god.
3: Oh, he leaves. And I go to my roommate's room and I'm like, oh my god, this whole night, like, I was giving this guy a hard time for ghosting me, I, like, was going off on him for, like, having Instagram and lying to me and, like, lying about the phone he had and, like, all these things. Like, this guy just kind of, like, went along with it. He was like, I don't know really what you're talking about, but cool, like, I'm sorry if I did something to hurt you. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so funny he was a completely different person. Like he wasn't this Brad guy at all. Like obviously he just looked similar to him. And um, so then I messaged him after he left and I was like, this is really embarrassing, but I thought you were someone else this whole night. Like, that's why I was being so weird. And he's like, I thought something was off, but I just like, whatever. And um, yeah, we never spoke again. <laughs> <laughs> you still, do you still have him on Instagram? no I actually don't even remember his name and then the second (laughs) part of the story was that when he came home with me drunk after the bar my roommate was like up doing homework like she was not drunk and he was like I'm gonna invite my buddy over and we can all hang out and I was like cool but his buddy took so long to get there that we were already in bed when his buddy arrived so my roommate was forced to hang out with his buddy (laughs)
1: Oh, my God! Over.
3: So she like watched a movie with him, and then he like left, and she was like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, oh my God dating Guys, Do you remember times
0: when we go out to the bar and get drunk? and yeah memories like that.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: like the amount of people I had in my phone, like I'm like Dance Cave Dave, like, a guy that I was aggressively making out with for, like, hours one night, you mm-hmm. know, Allie Cat, Allie Cat, like, Allie Cat, like, I forget, Allie Cat Chris or something, like, I have all these guys in my phone, and I'm, like, memory. I, mean, I always wonder, like, if I, I could walk by some of those people in real life now, and I would have no
3: idea who they were. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's <laughs> a very blurry time in my life.
2: Well, that story was very good. I like
0: <laughs> I can't believe it's been two years, nearly two years, and this is like the first time we're hearing of it. Like, we still must have some golden nuggets, like buried deep below the surface. Oh, yeah. It got That's scary on that part. I was like, mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that does bring us to the end of the episode. So, thank you so much for listening again on this beautiful Wednesday.
0: Thank you. Let's, let's hope it's a beautiful day guys. <laughs>
1: Happy day. <laughs> Actually before we go, I want to give a shout out to a listener um oh. Yeah. No, it's it's a listener that reached out to one of my numerous um one of my newest record stories that I post time to time and Ooh. um and I just want to reach out to uh, Just Jen um And just be like, hey, if you guys want to like reach out to us more and slip in those DMs and just have a conversation, and we can keep this community going.
2: Don't yeah. be scared. Yes, like, slipping
0: towards DMS.
1: DMs. Yeah, <laughs> we're people too.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: we're really dope ones, so, yeah, please, you go ahead and talk. It's <laughs> <else. That's> fine.
0: <laughs> we're lonely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like <us>. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was it. Just wanted to share some love with our uh, SD community. So, yeah.
0: You. Well, i love that i definitely we should definitely do more shout outs because there's some definite definite like little cuties that reach out to us and uh yeah let us know maybe you have a special event and you want a shout out is that a weird thing to put out so, there guys i'm just wondering doing, like the birthday things they do on like breakfast television <laughs> <laughs> Happy oh. <Monday> to Mike, <laughs> Sally, jim and joe <laughs> happy 65th wedding anniversary to carlos and maria like what the fuck I mean, why Would you do that? Like, it's our show we can
3: do what we want so
1: like people's dogs that they send in like yeah yeah i like
3: that okay guys thank you for listening we'll see you next week bye. bye hey guys don't forget to follow us on social media at somebody date us and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode